What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and we are getting back into the Mummy franchise, and we are taking a trip back 5,000 years before the first Mummy uh it, like before the first mummy movie in the official timeline and we are going to review the scorpion king starring Dwayne the rock johnson long before he was a mega mega movie star this was actually his first starring role and something that was uh interesting to go back and watch because this is very very 2000s i'm not saying that yeah. I'm not saying that's bad, Um, but boy, does this movie show some of its age and what movies were back in the day, so to speak. Um, But Rob, uh, yeah, uh, funny thing, because again, like I said, this was well before The Rock was a huge movie star, just his first starring role. Um, Interesting rewatch. Yeah. Um, it's it. You're right. This was his first starring role. He had that um, smaller part in the the previous Mummy film, The Mummy Returns, as the Scorpion King, and that made them, you know, decide to go ahead and spin that off into this film, his first, you know, major starring role. And and who would have known at that time that this would have turned into one of the most bankable stars in Hollywood? I mean, The Rock can open a movie just on his name alone in ways that. I don't know, maybe half a dozen ish. And that might be a lot. That might be way too high. Other actors in Hollywood could right now, like other than the rock, how many other actors could just on their name alone, open a movie and have it be profitable. I mean, it used to be Will Smith, Mm -hmm. like pre slap. Will Smith was that guy, you know, Tom Cruise at various points. I, I still think Tom Cruise probably is that guy. Um, I don't know how many others are there. Yeah, I mean, he was really being positioned. I mean, the Scorpion King came out. um, He was being positioned as like this big, um, like this action hero. Like they were really trying to make him be the next like Arnold, um, the next Stallone um, with some of the things that happened. I mean, he did the rundown in 2003, Walking Tall in 2004. Uh, he did do that quick little trip to do, um, you know, the game plan and the tooth fairy. Um, but you you look at these movies that he did, you know, he had faster that came out in 2010 race. I mean, way before race to Witch mountain snitch gridiron gang, he doom, which, oof, you know, um, <laughs> he, he was be cool. The other guys get smart. Like all of these movies and various voice roles, uh, you know, really took off in the fast and the furious franchise. I, I think that's really when he really, really got noticed. Um, is like, Holy cow. Cause once, that hit and he was in fast five. I mean, he did Hercules. He did Hercules. He did skyscraper ramp, like rampage probably couldn't have opened up with any other person at the time other than the rock. 
And you mentioned it was, I think it was, was it skyscraper? Was that the one where he was like a, an amputee and yes. the, the building was falling? Yeah. I didn't see it, but I remember seeing a trailer for it going, there's nobody else you can put mm-hmm. in that role that people will buy tickets for to see this movie, the way they're presenting it right now, besides him. Yeah. Uh, he did San, you know, San Andreas journey to the mysterious Island. Um, central intelligence, Shumanji, Baywatch, like, Good. He's got a lot of stuff in his filmography where it's him running around the jungle in a khaki colored uh, shirt. Yeah, there's actually a really funny meme that it, it's yeah. actually a picture of him. And it's like, this is four different movies. And he's right. literally wearing the exact <laughs> same outfit. Um, yep. You know, the funny thing is, is if you're on Google and you type in the Scorpion King and you click the cast button, they don't even show the rock. On the cast. Really? Yep. He's not even on the cast listing. And he's the main star of the movie. Well, because let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. This is a very forgettable film. This is, as you said, it's very much. uh, It's it's a it's a. You know, sign of the times. You know, it it is a it it is a film of its time, uh, early two thousands. It's got all the new metal you want on the soundtrack. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that this was part of the Mummy franchise and the Rock starring role, his his inaugural starring role, this would just be consigned to the dustbin of history. With you know, probably you know, a hundred other movies that came out during this time frame that were sort of okay-ish action movies that either went straight to DVD, straight to Blockbuster. Remember kids when Blockbuster was a thing? Like oh. they would have like, and it's funny because we even talked about how the sequel to this movie, The Scorpion King 2, was a direct to Blockbuster movie yep. uh, back before, you know, it would just go straight to streaming and, and that doesn't even really have the stigma it once did. But this is... Like this is a straight to like Tubi or voodoo kind of movie that is, if it wasn't for those two things, nobody would even remember this thing existed. No, I mean, the funny thing is, is at the time though, it did very well at the box office. I mean, again, you, you hear these numbers now and it's kind of funny because maybe people think, but back in 2002, um, a $36 million weekend was really well, especially considering the, you know, the, the type of movie that it was ranking number one at the box office, largest opening in April, um, you know, held on to number one, um, for th- uh, three weeks it was and $60 million budget and $180 million. So, you know, overall this movie was successful, but, if you go back and look at this movie, you know, one of the things that you can sit there and really, really get from rewatching this movie is if you didn't know it back then, and there were certainly people who said this, you could see the makings of at the time it was Dwayne Johnson. He really didn't want the rock. He wanted to be as far away from his, his WWE persona as possible and make it as an actor. Um, You could see there was the acting chops there. Um, 
it, you you can definitely see the charisma. Like if you didn't know The Rock really, if you never watched WWE, but you're like, okay, I know who this guy is. Um, I, I think there's a lot here that shows the early screen presence and like charismatic, likable guy, depending um, that he would kind of become. I think a lot of that shines through in this movie, even if the movie is mostly forgettable. It does show what what will become of a, a very credible action star um, that can that can keep the the dramatic moments in between action set pieces moving. Um, I actually really liked him in Walking Tall. I like I've liked him in several yeah. movies that I was kind of surprised, like. Wait, the wrestler? Because I guess it it doesn't seem so crazy now. But back then, like having a wrestler, you know, a fake fighter kind of cross over into the realm of true like Hollywood star, you know, action films was not like a guaranteed like John Cena, major star now certainly owes a lot to The Rock paving the way for him. That was not like a guaranteed sort of like that would work. I, I do you did you ever see the movie with Hulk Hogan and it called Suburban Commando that was like yep. terrible? I was just gonna say that because really before The Rock, what people have for wrestlers crossing over into movies is, you know, Suburban Commando, No Holds Barred. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it, it was yeah. Hulk Hogan and and while those movies today are considered you know, like cult favorites because so bad they're good. Um, at the time they were just critically panned and it, you know, it, it wasn't what it was now where those movies are looked at in good light just because they're entertaining. It was Jesus. These guys can like, they cannot do this. Um, so he did, forget Jesse, the body Ventura. Uh, yeah, that's true. And, uh, okay. And Rowdy Piper, but, I mean, his, his scene and, you know, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. Like it's one but, of the greatest lines of all time. Let's be yeah, real. You know, it, it, that was a dirty word, so to speak, uh, wrestlers coming into, to movies and, and actually being good. Um, and, and while he's not great, um, again, there, there's definitely the, okay, I could see this guy. And I liked him in walking tall. I liked him in the rundown, um, you know, journey to the mysterious Island. I, which was a follow-up to originally the Brendan Fraser, uh, you know, movie, um, race to which mountain he was in. And I saw those because of, because of the kids, but I, I did like him. Um, I don't know if I was a little biased cause I was a huge wrestling fan and, you know, I was watching wrestling when, rock was at his peak in WWE and things like that. But, um, I certainly think he does some good things here, but one of the things Rob with this movie, I immediately, immediately this opening scene laughed because mm. when he comes in and starts fighting, does, is he on the super soldier serum? Because he shoots those arrows. And if you remember, Rob, I don't know if you caught this, but he shoots arrows he does it at, at first. Um, he, he shoots the arrows, uh, through the smoke and the guys go flying, but then he shoots three more and a guy literally 
acts like he was shot out of a cannon and shoots through the like the house that they're in or the hutch or whatever you want to call it and like literally flies up into the sky like did you catch that guy the very first note that i wrote is that this opening scene has some of the worst air ratchet work i've ever seen since when does an arrow have the force to launch a man upwards 30 feet (laughs) through a roof this is utter nonsense that's literally i just read it verbatim that's what i wrote down first note i made it's it was unbelievable. I was like, what the, what the hell is that? Like, how strong is this guy supposed to be? Like, what is going on here? There's multiple times with really just, it's almost like they, they bought or rented the air ratchet and the air Ram for this movie. And the stunt coordinator was convinced that he needed to get his money's worth out of yes. it because it is so overused. There are just palace guards flying through the air because physics got turned off or something like that it, it, for reasons that make no sense at all. And okay. So you're trying to, you know, convince us he's, he's badass and he's, you know, this great warrior, but it's, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make sense with that. And, you know, we talked about too, this movie being very 2000, you know, very two thousands. Um, <laughs> and it, it's every single scene. And I think one of the only things that makes this movie actually watchable is actually the rocks charisma is he has some pretty good comedic timing. He's got a good on-screen presence because there are so many things. Like you said, this movie is just, it is forgettable. And I think if you remember anything of this movie, it's, it's him because not there's not a lot that happens you know there's there's not a a set piece that draws you back there's not a really great action scene that you're like you know we've talked about it before a a youtube moment that you would you know throw on um because there's a lot of there's a lot of cliches in this movie there's a lot of just oh yeah by the numbers and you know it, it starts when he's supposed to you know they're you know, him and the three remaining Acadians are, are hired to, you know, go in and kill, um, a sorceress who can predict the future. So this King is never challenged and, you know, just again, very, very typical for this, you know, for these types of movies and, you know, why doesn't he kill her? That's the job. He has no, you know, he has no loyalty, but the mission and we get jobs done. But, you know, I mean, let, let's just face it. He saves her cause she's hot. Yeah. Like it, it, that's, that's what it boils down to. She's yeah. good looking. She's good looking. Like that's it. That's the only reason that he saves her. She's alive because of pretty privilege. If that yes. was a fat dude dead <laughs> movie over roll credits. Yep. Yeah. It, right. Right. Exa- right. Exactly. Nope. Because she shows mi- because she shows midriff and has a pretty face. It's like, Oh, well, I guess I should get to know you. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's funny because when we did the first two movies in the mummy series, we both had moments of those two films that we couldn't wait for the movie to get to, because we look forward to them so much every time 
we watch those movies, it's like, oh, good. It's this scene now. Yay. I'm excited. This is fun. Like this is those movies are charming. Those movies are are just engaging and just just a total amount of fun to have. And this one, I even said at the time, God, it's been years since I've seen it. I don't really remember much about it. I think I, I think I made that comment to you. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I have vivid memories of very like standout scenes of the mummy. I have no memories of this movie. No, I just finished watching this 20 minutes before we rolled tape. And I have already forgotten most of it. Like there's just, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing memorable about this. It just nothing tends to stand out. You know, you, you mentioned some of the humor land. Some of it doesn't. It's very paint by numbers. It's very much a product of its times. It's very the humor is very immature. It really is. This does not hold up well today. Um, the CG is garbage. I mean, those fire ants in the beginning, mm-hmm. they're bad. They're not plastic Dwayne Johnson bad, but they're bad. There's a cobra towards the end of this movie that is abysmally bad like just just awful um yeah yeah it's uh, again it, it is it, it is so forgettable i didn't remember going back and watching this i didn't remember a single yeah and some of it came back to me once i saw it because that's just how i am with movies but like thinking about this movie before re-watching it I really couldn't remember like a single thing except for like, I did remember that closing shot of like him standing there, like holding up the bow um, with Cassandra. Like I just, I I remembered that. Um, But uh, I, I couldn't really think of anything that happened in this movie before I watched it again. I didn't even remember the whole thing about the sorceress with Kelly Hugh. Like I forgot all of that stuff. Cause again, it just been so long and, and really just nothing stood out. I mean, there are a couple of funny lines. Like when he's running around with the kid in the, towards the beginning, he's like, I'll kill half and you kill half. Like that was actually a funny moment for me. Um, th- there's another funny moment during the escape later, which um, he uh, th- there's the kid throwing the coin in the wishing well. And then, you know, that's when the sorceress comes out and like, like that's actually funny in a very immature humor sort of way um, that kind of doesn't really hold up as well anymore. But there's, there's a few moments that are actually kind of funny, but overall, like there's not a joke that's so laugh out loud. Great. Um, you know, like, I guess you could look at the character of Arpid, the guy that helps him throughout, um, you know, he was supposed to be killed early and ends up kind of being uh, his, his helper kind of reminds me a lot of um, Rob Schneider's character from judge dread. Like I felt like so oh, many yeah. crossovers between those two characters. They, they felt like they were pretty much like, you know, it's like, Hey, you can copy my homework, but just make sure you change it a little. Like that's, that's sort of what it felt like to me. Um, and there's, there's parts that he's he's legitimately funny. Like he's he's not quite in the Jar Jar realm of comedic character that's actually annoying. Like he's he's not there. He's he's not in the same zip code, but he's probably in the same area code, I think, where it's like you're he's getting kind of close. I mean, dude gets knocked out like four or five times in this movie. He gets punched out by the rock at least two or three times. He gets his lights turned out by like two or three other characters. There's absolutely no way he finishes the events of this film without CTE. Like he's constantly getting punched in the head and going unconscious. Right, exactly. It um 
it, he does have some funniness, but it was um yeah, I thought the one funny part is towards the end when, you know, after he wins, which again, that whole that whole opening bad that opening, that whole closing battle too is just, you know, the pulling the arrow out of his back and the, it, oh my god it's like okay like you know what's that's gonna one ha- that doesn't have the barbs right you know what's gonna happen why is this in slow motion what but um i did chuckle and i laugh because when um when she's like oh i see uh it, you know uh an era of peace and prosperity but it you know won't last forever however she says it and he's like Oh, I thought, you know, you couldn't see anything after because, again, another typical thing like, of course, of course, they have to have sex in the movie. Like, you know, right. Uh, uh, of this course, that, came out in 2002. Yes. Yeah. Uh, of course, that has to happen. But I did laugh at that because, again, his just delivery on it and his his facial expression. um, That was funny. Um. But the battle that you're talking about that happens kind of like right before that, the the one on one stuff where it's just Matthias and and Memnon or like he's fighting kind of like one or two palace guards, you know, it doesn't do anything new. It doesn't do anything groundbreaking. It's nothing memorable. Again, there's like you said, there's not a YouTubeable moment there mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, yeah, I wanted to see that move. That was cool. But it it's effective. It works once you get outside you know, kind of on the palace grounds, that's when it gets really bad. Like the one versus seven stuff is awful. Like they've got a very, very petite woman who's taking on like, you know, army regulars pretty easily. And, and it's, it's pretty bad. Just a lot of guys waiting around, just waving swords in the air, kind of waiting their turn to get their ass kicked. Um, It's it, you know, the, the choreography is pretty bad. The cinematography is pretty bad there. Um, the fact that the sorceress is able to, with with no reason to assume she's had martial training, um, she just picks up a knife and holds her own against like guys that are part of the army. Um, that that's kind of dumb, and that doesn't work. Also, why does um, why does she think that a snake is a good defensive weapon when when Memnon's holding a steel sword? Yeah. Like she's holding it as though like that's an equivalent defensive tool and it's not, it's organic and would just as likely sink its teeth into her forearm as it would like, you know, attack him <laughs> until it gets its head chopped off. Like that whole bit was, especially because the CG is so, so just bad. bad, just awful. Yeah, it is. It, it, the CG in this is, is not very well done. Um, you know, even the the battle of um, between Matthias and um, is it Baltzar? How does he pronounce it again? Michael Clark Duncan's character. Yeah, Balthazar. Yeah, I mean, even that's just the so typical. Oh, we're two big men. I don't like you. You don't like me. Oh, but we now fight. we're best friends. Yes, I have respect. Let's shake. Like, oh my god, like. I'll say your catchphrase. You say mine. Right. Like the ultimate, again, you know, any movie like this in in any action movie like this, where you have like two big, like the ultimate, you know, supposed dick measuring contest where it's like, who the, like who the frig acts like this? Like legitimately, like who acts like this in real life? Oh, wait, idiots, idiots (laughs) act like this in real life. 
I the one thing I'm really happy about though was that they didn't try to like what was the Rock's big move when he was wrestling? Was it the people? The Rock elbow? Bottom. That, oh, the Rock Bottom. I didn't see them do anything that was overtly pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, no, he does that in. It wasn't really until Fast Five that yeah. he actually did any kind of. Maybe he did it in the rundown. I think he does it in the club scene where he kind of gives a guy a rock bottom, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I apologize to anybody who's listening to this right now that is a big wrestling fan. You know, I watched it a little in the early 2000s, you know, in, in my dorm in college because everybody was doing was watching it back then. But that's like I really haven't gotten, you know, been into it for a very, very long time. So I, I'm not I'm not into it. So please don't. You know, don't at oh, me. It's not my yeah, fault. <laughs> no, I, I mean, but that was uh, that was one thing I was surprised at when. And it I'm just probably glad they didn't do that. It, it probably was him because, like I said, th- this was in the time when he really, you know, again, it was this this movie was Dwayne Johnson. It didn't say The Rock. It was no. He he said, you know, my name is Dwayne Johnson. Like The Rock was WWE. I'm now doing this. My name is Dwayne Johnson. So it was, and I feel like there was several films after this where it was like produced by WWE films or something like that. I think walking tall and the rundown both were like produced by WWE films and it had him as Dwayne, the rock Johnson in there. I remember something about them owning the rights to the character. I I don't really remember how that worked. Correct. Um, And I think that's because, you know, it was all right. I'm going to try and tap into this a little bit more because it, it did seem to annihilate some people that he was so, you know, like the people that followed him in wrestling when he first started doing this and being so no, you know, I'm Dwayne Johnson. I, I think he kind of realized like, eh, I need to backtrack on that a little bit because people are kind of taking that personally. Like, hang on a second. Like, yeah, great. Good for you happy that you're doing something else, but you kind of sound like a dick right now. Like, cause you wouldn't even be at this spot if it wasn't for like for wrestling. So you don't have to sit there and say, you know, it, it was kind of like you went a little bit too far. I think to some people was saying like, no, I want nothing to do with that To Well, yeah, this is just my new thing now. So I think he backtracked a little bit. Yeah. We've seen um, other times that professional athletes have crossed over, particularly as mixed martial arts has gotten bigger and bigger. And some of those athletes have crossed over. You know, we've seen George St. Pierre. We've seen Randy Couture. We've seen Ronda Rousey. We've seen Gina Carano. We've seen there's there's several others that have that have crossed over. And and honestly, I just said Randy Couture. He's in the sequel to this that we will not be reviewing because there's nothing to say about it because it is just terrible. Um, but like there's a scene in the throne room where he's like a sorcerer, I think. And he does, you know, he has an arm bar. And every time Gina Carano has been in a film, she has to, you know, yep. put an arm bar in or something like that. I think George St. Pierre, when he was in uh, Winter Soldier, I think he had to use an Uchimata or something like that. It just they can't help but did a Superman punch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had one of those, Um, you know, as these things get bigger, you know, they they add that in. And to me, I don't like it. It's just it doesn't make sense. It's kind of scene breaking. Like, you know, I, I, I recognize these people are athletes from other, you know, other places. But like, let's let's make sure whatever they're doing makes sense. Right. Exactly. It's uh yeah, this Scorpion King series actually released 
four. It went up to Scorpion King four, the quest for power. Billy Zane is in one of these. Um, Yeah. Uh, Actually, I think was there was there a fifth one? Yes, there was the fifth one. The Scorpion King, the is it uh, Book of Souls? Are you sure that wasn't a Blair Witch sequel? Right. I know. And it's funny because um, Roy Nelson was in the fourth one who was a UFC uh, an MMA Roy Big guy. Country Nelson. Yep. He was in that, you know, like you said, Randy Couture's and put a good old boy in ancient Egypt. Yep. So yeah. they went, God, they went. I didn't realize there were actually that many. I remember I did watch the second one and I think I watched part of the third one just because I saw it. But like I threw it on. Um, like just laying in bed, like I was going to go to like, cause I was going to bed and just fell asleep and never turned it back on. Um, but wow. Five of these, that is, that's wild. It's probably four more than should have been. And maybe even five more. (laughs) Oh yeah. Five. Yeah. I mean, there was supposed to be, this was supposed to be, um, a sequel with Dwayne, the rock Johnson um, that got scrapped. And then I don't know if you remember this, Rob, but way back in 2020, um, there was actually a, a remake that they were going to do, like just start over. um, And that Dwayne Johnson was going to serve as a producer for it. And it was going to be universal uh, and seven uh, bucks. I actually did some research. Seven bucks productions were were going to reboot this and nothing really ever came of it. No, he just went on to be in Fast and the Furious 23. Right. Yep, exactly. So interesting, uh, you know, interesting thing here. And it was. I often wonder. You know, I would have been interested because I really don't have much more to say about the um, like, I really don't have a a lot more to say about this movie, but I do wonder after watch, you know, watching this again and, you know, the mummy returns and things like that, some of his character just doesn't line up with how this movie ends to. Oh, he has the battle and then all of us because like in the mummy returns, it really makes it seem like he was just this warlord and he, you know, prays to Anubis to spare his life after he loses a battle, which, you know, is not the portrayal in this movie. So I was wondering, I, I always wondered if a sequel would show maybe him becoming more of like a dictator, like warlord type of leader as opposed to what we got at the end of this movie, because his character does not line up when you actually think about these movies together. Not at all. Um, He is clearly a villain uh, from the start of when we meet him in the mummy returns. He is not a good dude. Um, He is a feared person. He is somebody who's despised and hated. Um, And then he comes out as the plasticky worst looking piece of CG that's ever been created. That's Uh, a, that's a dream cast. Like that is still, we talked about it, but that is, that is a dream cast level cut scene character. It's unbelievable. 
So my youngest daughter has this app on her school iPad called Flip Clip where she can make little like line drawings and animate it. And I've seen better like character animation in her line drawings than what they did for the mummy returns. Yeah. But I digress. Um, but yeah. And they show him here as like this benevolent ruler that is beloved by all of these people. They celebrate him, they worship him. And, and it does, it does seem very odd that they go from that to where we first meet him uh, in, in the mummy returns. It's, I, I'm not sure that was really well thought out, but then again, what was in this movie? Yeah. No, there's uh, <laughs> there's go, one other ahead. scene I do want to uh, I do want to kind of touch on here. Um, so, you know, they've got this whole idea that she only keeps her powers as long as she keeps her virginity, which is kind of a dumb idea to begin with. But OK, whatever. You know, then it turns out that wasn't really the case anyways. But I'm always fascinated. So they, they do this scene where Memnon pulls out, you know, these big clay pots and has these dudes bring in, you know, like four snakes for six pots or whatever. And he's like, okay, you have to put your hand in and pull out the two pots that don't have anything to prove that you still have your sight. And I'm just fascinated by this concept that villains have all this complex stuff just laying around for them when they call for it. Like, like Memnon just has these people ready to bring them clay pots and snakes ready to do the Is it snake test? Like mm-hmm. he just has this stuff. Like he just fills out like requisition orders. Like, all right, guys, just make sure you've got some snakes laying around and might need those later. Get some clay pots just in case I got a tester. Like they just have this stuff. And he just like, in most cases, they either snap their fingers and, and guys just know, oh, it's that finger snap or he claps twice. And these guys just bring out all this stuff because they just knew like, oh, the, the two clap thing. We practice this, everybody. That means bring the snakes and bring the clay pots. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's amazing to me. How this stuff just works in movies with villains. Right. Yeah, it is. It's always funny. Um, But yeah, I I don't have anything else because, again, I mean, certainly not the worst, certainly not even close to the worst thing I have seen. Um, But just on all levels, uh, my like one of my final thoughts is just an all around forgettable movie. There's, yep. There is nothing that would ever, and in all of his film roles, I could go back and watch Walking Tall. I could go back and watch The Rundown. Um, I could certainly, for some reason, if it was, I, I mean, I can't think of one right now, but you know, watch watch Race to Which, like a, a reason to watch one of his kids' movies. Um. The Tooth Fairy, I think, is dumb. The game plan, I actually like. I actually think the game plan's kind of a, a sweet, you know, kind-hearted movie. Um, but this is probably, like, this might be at the top of the list for, like, his well-known films that I would just go, there's no reason to ever watch this again. Because it's not so bad that, like, oh, my God, I'd watch it to laugh at it like I do with movies. Like, this is like one of his films that I'm like, there's no reason to ever watch this again. And there's no reason to like ever talk about this for like movie history. Unless it was like a trivia night and somebody was like, what's the first starring role that Dwayne, the rock Johnson ever had. Then you would need to know this. Yeah. Um, I would rewatch probably almost anything else he's been in that I've seen. Like I would like Jumanji is great. I watch that anytime. It's fun. Like it's, that's fun. Um, but I, uh, yeah, if, if we were to assign this like a rewatchability rating, 
it's extremely low. I, I struggle to think about why I would ever watch this movie again. And I yeah. don't think I've got a good reason. I've probably seen this movie for the last time in my life now. Yes. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's grab some popcorn and head into popcorn time. And I'll just, I'll go first. And I will say that it's, we, I, it's weird that I'm going to say this because I've certainly, I've disliked things way worse than this that I've give her, given better ratings to. But because this movie is so forgettable, and like you said, it's almost, as soon as you're done watching it, it's almost over. Um, it, it's almost over in your head. Like it, It's almost erased immediately. Anything that has happened, you almost forget about it um, because there's no good soundtrack. I mean, what? I think the only song I remember is Godsmack. I will survive. Is that Godsmack? Uh, I stand alone. Yeah, it's the, I stand uh, alone. It's the song at the end credits. Yeah, I think that's the only thing. But this is a one bucket movie for me just because it is absolutely forgettable. Yeah, it's not in that Batman and Robin so bad that it's good. It's not in that like Daredevil with Ben Affleck where you watch it just to absolutely laugh at the clown show that that movie is um, and and didn't have to be. This is one and a half for me. There are one and a half bucket movies that I dislike more than this, but this is just not like... It's not, it wasn't worth my time. Like I found myself being very distracted while this was on and not really caring that something was happening that I might miss. Um, Cause you again. don't miss anything. You, you don't, you really only need like, sorry, you only need the beginning to know what his mission is and to watch the end. If you watch the first 20 minutes of this movie and the last 15 for 35 minutes, you know everything you need to know about this movie. Yeah, it's uh, it serves little consequence. Its existence uh, doesn't seem to matter. So yeah, I'm going one and a half. And uh, I'm I'm honestly, are you surprised that you rated this movie this low? Like thinking back yes. to like two months ago when we were when we were doing the Mummy and the Mummy Returns, would you have imagined that you would have given this movie? a one bucket and I would have given it one and a half. Cause I thought for sure I would have rated this higher. Yeah. I thought I would probably go a three. Um, yeah. You know, m- max a three. Um, just because of the fact that like, okay, I don't remember like, again, I didn't remember it, but I was like, I don't remember hating it. I, I don't remember. You know, I don't remember ever hating this movie and I still don't hate this movie. I just don't care. Um, but no, after watching it, I was like, and, and this is, you know, what we sit there and say of like, okay, bucket rating out of five, whatever the case may be. Um, Cause again, certainly there are worse movies than this, but for my personal enjoyment, it, it's, it's a one because there's no enjoyment to be had in this movie for me. Yeah. No reason to ever revisit it limited reason to ever talk about it amongst a group of friends, like very limited reason to just even acknowledge that the film exists. Yeah. Um, so that'll do it for the Scorpion King. Uh, we're going to 
end up finishing this series off with the Scorpion King Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Now, I remember that movie much better than I remember the Scorpion King. I remember absolutely not liking it, not despising it, but not liking it and being severely disappointed. Um, Has time changed that opinion? Uh, I don't know yet because I haven't done my rewatch. I will be doing that here within the coming weeks so that we can jump back on and review it. But that will be our conclusion for the Mummy series. And yeah, I will be curious to see what time has changed, if anything, good or bad, for Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I've seen it once. And it was a long, long, long time ago. I remember being disappointed because it didn't have that fun charm of the mummy series. And the fact that at the time that I had seen this, I was like a massive Jet Li fan. I was, uh, yes. I, was studying, I was studying a lot of Chinese martial arts myself. So like it was something that was like I was really into like because he was like the best, you know, and uh, his movies were great. Uh, I still love going back and watching some of his his stuff that came out originally in China and eventually made its way over here. I mean, Fist of Legend is just it's just like the best kung fu movie that's out there. Like I might die on that hill. Um, You know, you can say a lot of great things about Bruce Lee. And I and I won't argue if if Enter the Dragon is your favorite kung fu movie ever. I won't argue with you. But Fist of Legend by Jet Li is it's brutal. It's clever. It's interesting. The choreography is amazing. It's so good. Um, and, and I've probably seen it a hundred million times. And when, when that came out, I just remember being, oh, why? So, uh, I, I'm, I am looking forward. I'm going to watch it with fresh eyes. Cause I'll have remembered virtually nothing about it. Uh, so I'll be curious to see if my opinion has changed either. And, uh, and we will break it down for you, the listener. Yeah, you know, just just one last thing before we go with Jet Li. Um, you know, when when this movie was coming out, this is when I was really on like a Jet Li kick because the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor came out in 2008. But I remember watching his movies like not originally when they came out, because he had like some of the movies that I'm talking about. Romeo Must Die came out in 2000. Unleashed 2005. Cradle to the Grave 2003. The One, which is one of my like sleeper favorites yeah. for Jet Li, for Jet Li is the one, or just one of my sleeper movies. Um, Not War, well reviewed, but it's better than people give it credit for. Yes. Oh, War is so good. War with Jason Statham. Um, you know, even lethal weapon four with him in it but i was on sort of a jet lee kick oddly right before this movie was like oh this is gonna be you know so it was um i was like oh man jet lee so i was into it for a very different reason and really looking forward to it um because of the simple fact that like i had just watched some of these jet lee movies right before it had come out and was like on a really big kick with him. Um, so, you know, to have that and then also too, it, it wasn't as much as I am now, but to, you know, to know that Rachel Weiss was not coming back for this movie, hearing some of the things and finding out that she just didn't want to do the movie because she didn't like the script was like, Ooh, uh, that's a little bit worrisome. Um, 
And then at the time, and again, I'll, I'll be interested to see this, seeing the lack of chemistry between Brendan Fraser and his co-star, um, Maria Bello, um, who, you know, now played Evelyn O'Connell. It was just like, holy crap. Like these two, like in the first two movies, you believed that Rick O'Connell and Evelyn or like Brendan and Frazier and Rachel Weiss, like you could have believed that they were a couple in real life. Um, and this one, it was like, oh shit. Like, what are you two doing together? Cause you act like, you look like you hate each other. Yeah. And that stuff matters. You know, that believability that, that's, that every, everything that makes a deposit in the bank of willing suspension of disbelief helps. And if you stop believing in something like that's why, you know, we complain about bad CG a lot, but it matters. The immersion matters when you are reminded that you're watching a movie, it breaks the immersion. It breaks that fourth wall. You, you stop suspending your disbelief and, and it takes you out of the experience. And that's why these things matter. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So we will see if anything, uh, if our opinion has changed on that, because I believe I've seen this movie twice. I know I actually went to the theater and saw it. And then I know I, well, I actually know that I watched it once at home again. Um, at a time it was on FX. Um, so I have seen this movie twice, but it has been an incredible, feels like a lifetime since I've actually seen this movie. Um, I do remember things about it. I, I do remember specific scenes and specific moments from this movie. So, uh, be curious to go back, rewatch it, finish up this series and jump right back into halo this week and episode four, which I'm excited for to see what we get and then discuss what we're going to do next and get back to more consistency. I know we talked a little bit today of maybe looking at the, uh, Olympus has fallen series with Gerald Butler. Um, but Excited to get back into it. Yes, uh, would definitely be in favor of that. And uh, so, listeners, if you have, if you're interested in some Gerard Butlerness, uh, like we're discussing, let us know. Tell us that you're interested in that, and we will make sure we add it to the list. Uh, you can also email the show mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that is how you can get in touch with the show. That's how you can send us your thoughts uh, on any episodes that we've done or episodes you would like to see. General feedback is always appreciated. Make sure that wherever you're downloading this from, go ahead and just rate this episode. Just go ahead. Just pause it now. Take a minute. Unless you're driving, in which case, you know, keep your eyes on the road. But then when you get to your destination, as long as you aren't running late for work, pause the episode, rate the episode, give it five stars. Just go ahead. What's it going to hurt you? Nothing. It takes like no time. Give it five stars. You know you want to. All the cool people are giving the episode five stars and make sure you subscribe while you're at it and check out Matt goes to the movies everywhere. You get your favorite social media, all the good ones. You can find Matt goes to the movies interact with the show. Yep. All right. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode and we will see you back here for the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor to finish off this series. Thanks for tuning in.